Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted once again to be with you all on this Tuesday, now uh, May the 12th. Uh, it's always a delight, as we always say, to, to open up the Word of God. If you've been with us enough time, whether this is your first time or you've been with us for a few weeks now or months now, you know that that's what we do. We, we study the Word of God and through a prophetic lens. So I pray that you are being encouraged. Uh, I pray that you are being touched and being challenged in this hour. So without further ado, we're going to get into the Word of God. It is always a pleasure to be here with our panel, with Brother Fernando, Brother Marty, uh, to be together and, and study the Word together. So Brother Marty, uh, share, as we get ready to share what God has placed in your heart and our hearts to declare it today. I'll leave it with you, Brother Marty. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Jeremy. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I encourage whoever is listening today and, and shall be listening in the future to get your Bibles out. Today is really going to be a, 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 a deeper Bible study. Um, many of the things that we talk about um, are, are things that we've really looked at for many, many years. And so it's not like we just fell off the turnip truck and started talking about this stuff, <laughs> so to speak. But we we really do. We our heart is so that when we talk about these kinds of things, um, to to encourage you, and also hopefully to motivate you to to look in the Word of God, you know, and 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 find out just how fascinating the Word of God really is. And so, uh, before we get into that, though, I. I uh, I heard a report yesterday, and then I read on the on an article I read off the internet about um, one of God's great uh, ministers, uh, Brother Rabbi Rabbi Zacharias, um, uh, being very very ill, and uh, apparently he he's been sent home from the hospital dealing with uh, with a very bad uh, cancer in his spine. And they don't give him very long. And and when I heard the news uh, like that, I was I was really sad about it. It really grieved yeah. my heart. And uh, yes. he's been a great man of God. And and uh, and and we we know the Lord can heal. And and uh, we will pray that way. And and I encourage you out there to listen that are listening to pray that way. But also pray for his family, for his wife, his yes. children, and and. Um, you know, God is able, but even if he even if he if he passes on and goes home, uh, he'll be in a better place. Uh, but it would leave a, a very big void. Um, but he's he's meant a lot to so many millions of people around the world, and led millions to Christ. And so I just wanted to pray for him real quick this 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 morning on our podcast. Yes. Uh, he- Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now yes. in the holy name of Jesus, and we ask for your grace. Dear Father, that you would hearken to the voice of our prayer. We lift up uh, thy servant, O Lord, uh, Brother Rabbi Zacharias, and we know that you know exactly what condition he's in. And Father, we just thank you for the gift that he's been to our generation, and we pray that whatever you determine, Lord, whether it be to heal him now or to have him come home now, it is in your hands. We ask that thy will would be done in the name of Jesus, and we pray for his precious family, his wife, his children, uh, for those that are on the staff of his ministry, for your peace and your presence to just settle over their hearts and minds and and lives. And and we pray you would comfort our brother 
and that he wouldn't be in pain and that his, his house would be filled with your joy and peace. We thank you for the gift that he is. And uh, we just ask thee, O oh Father, if it, if it be uh, determined to be so, that, that you would send your healing virtue in the name of Jesus to take this affliction from him. So whatever the, the determination and the times of the seasons are, we pray above all and thank you for what he has meant to us and to the body of Christ. And we know confidently that either way, he's in your hands. We give you praise yes. and thanks for hearing our prayer. And we worship thee, Lord God, in, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so if you have your Bibles, would you open them, please, to the uh, book of Revelation? Uh, a few, uh, about a week or so ago, or two weeks ago, we were we were dealing with the subject here in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 13, uh, concerning uh, the rising of, uh, of, of the beast uh, system. And uh, we talked about the, the, the ten horns and the mystery of the ten horns. We did a three-part series on that, and I encourage you to go back in the podcast and listen to them. Uh, because we won't really be dealing with that today, but we're going to focus today on on the, looking at what the Bible says is this this wicked one that's coming. He's known by many names: the son of perdition, the destroyer. Uh, most famously, of course, he's known as the Antichrist. And we're going to be exploring exactly who he is, and uh and and try to get some clues as to what it is that God is saying about him and we also believe that uh that he's he he's quite possibly um just ahead in the not too distant future um we're going to begin reading uh real quickly here in Revelation chapter 13 uh brother Jeremy could you read uh the first 5 verses and then we'll get into our study today Revelation 13:1 through 5 and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make, who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. Yes, and, and we're going to be talking about him. Uh, verse 5, as Brother Jeremy just read, says, And there was given unto him a mouth. Over the next couple of days, should the Lord allow us to, through the end of the week, we're going to be discussing these things. We're going to be discussing uh, the coming of the wicked one. And, and, and how the Lord uh, will destroy him um, and cast him into the lake of fire, of course. But we're going to be looking at, at the systems that are beginning to arise, even as we are still kind of halfway in, halfway out of this global lockdown 
that we've been experiencing in this pandemic and and so many things have been transpiring behind the scenes that it, that uh that that they are signals they're banners they're signposts to the children of the Lord for those that are in the word for those that are in prayer for those that that are seeking him uh God is beginning to to reveal by his word uh, the times and the seasons that we find ourselves in. And it, it's with that in mind that we're going to look at several aspects of these these last days uh, to include, you know, what the Bible says, there'll be two types of, of churches that will emerge out of this. There'll be a church that goes off into, into a backslidden condition, which is already well on the way there. But there'll also be a faithful church that, that is being called to a time of testing, We'll look at the church at Philadelphia, the church at Laodicea. We'll look at the, uh, today we're going to finish in Second Thessalonians, but we'll, we'll look a little bit there because there's some clues and hints there as to the timing and to the emergence of this wicked one. And so the first thing we want to look at is is just who he is. What is he? You know, the Bible calls him the beast, and, and, and we know that he's coming. And and God has left in his word a tremendous amount of information. If you, by the Spirit, are a diligent student and seeker of the Lord, he begins to reveal these things. And I remember uh, there's that portion of Scripture in Daniel chapter 12 where <clears throat> the angel told Daniel that that what Daniel had seen in a particular part of the prophetic visions that he had uh, was not for him to understand in his time. He said that in the last days, and he really didn't even say the last days, he said the end of time, when there's a difference between the last days and, and the end times. Uh, the last days really began with the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that because the, the book of Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that, right? It says that God has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. So the last days have already begun. But there is a defined period in the scripture that talks about the end of time. And that is the time that Daniel was told by the angel Gabriel that there would be who the Lord called the wise, that that the scriptures and the, and the particular end time prophecies would be sealed until the time of the end. And he said there would be uh, the wise amongst his children who would understand that they would they would understand what was happening because it was for their time. And I can tell you right now that many of the scriptures that we have begun to freely discuss are have only been able to be discussed at these levels just in the last few years. I mean, you know, I've been right. studying Bible prophecy since I was 14 years old, you know, and and that's 40 plus years of study uh, on and off looking and hearing all kinds of different things but for the most part uh, a good portion of it was speculation was we really not sure but as time has unfolded we're now able to just almost read it like you're reading a newspaper it is becoming so obvious to us so with that in mind you know uh, we're, we're talking about this wicked one whom the Lord will destroy at his at his return and, and just briefly, we're gonna we'll look at what Brother Jeremy read. We, you know, the the Apostle John is writing here, and he says that he's standing on the sand of the sea, and he sees this beast rising up out of the sea. In our previous podcast, we talked about how the sea represents the nations of the world, 
all the different languages, all the different tribal groups, all the different nations, is is called the sea in Scripture. And so when John sees a beast rising up out of the sea, he he is revealing to us that a time in the future from when he wrote, which was almost 2,000 years ago, he was literally saying, in the future, there will be a a national global desire of the human population to give expression to this system. And the system that he sees has seven heads, ten horns, ten crowns upon their heads. And we talked about those seven heads representing the seven major global empires that have existed since the beginning of, of recorded history. And we went through those. We talked about Babel being the first one where when Babylon was originally established by Nimrod. And then we talked about Egypt, another global empire. The Assyrians uh, were another one. The Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar, which gave way to the Medo-Persians, which gave way to Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire, which gave way to the Roman Empire. Seven global systems that <clears throat> that each individually tried to dominate the world only to fail. So in the end of time, John is using symbolic language. And when he says the beast begins to rise up out of the sea, he's literally revealing to us that this system is going to emerge. And when it does, it will, it will emerge having the components of all of the global empires uh, connected together. It's as if history itself has uh, caused this spirit and the heads over those spirits to uh, to come together collectively in a unified expression given through the hearts of mankind, clamoring for a global system, desiring to be led and governed uh, by anything but God. And that's what we begin right. to see in, in verse one, right? Now in verse two, John says, it, to look at the beast, it has three characteristics. It has the uh, the 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 body of a leopard, it has the feet of a bear, and it has the mouth of a lion. And again, scripture comparing scripture with scripture, um, these are all symbolic terms. But you know, you can study it on your own. But but you know, he's basically referring to three of the heads when he says he looks like a leopard, he has feet like a bear, he has a mouth like a lion. Uh, this is symbolic terminology referencing the uh, the three of the global empires of the seven we just named. The leopard was representative of Alexander the Great. In the visions that Prophet Daniel had, he viewed Alexander the Great when he first saw him as a leopard. And so that is the first thing that we see begins to take shape, is that a framework for a for a leopard-like system begins to emerge in the last days. So we have to ask ourselves, what are the characteristics of the leopard? What did it represent? And, and how do we, have we seen it begin to take shape? Well, yes, because the leopard representing Alexander the Great or the great Greek empire, what was, what was its chief characteristic was that it was an incredible military power. It, it had it was able to take over and dominate the known world of its day with incredible speed and and precision and and yes. and john and john begins to reveal there that the very first thing that you'll begin to see it emerging from the collective if you will of humanity is a military 
like police state. And, 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 and he says, so it, to look on it is it has that kind of a power. And the fact that he references Alexander and the Great and, and the characteristics that we see with Alexander the Great is, is his ability to do it quickly. You know, he, he, they said that he conquered the known world of his day with such a speed and such a force. I think you mentioned it, Brother Fernando, a few weeks back, how that they, they even to this day, they study the the war making ability of alexander the great in all the great military colleges around the world because right. they they're just absolutely blown away at his ability and how he fought with what precision he fought and with what speed he was able to dominate and and destroy his enemies and so that first characteristic is what john points out to us so it's a hint and it's a clue that we should be looking for uh, in the last days, a system that will move with speed and literally uh, become a police-like state, if you will, uh, or a, what we would call today, and I think we're seeing it, is a surveillance state. You know, we've seen it in China. We're seeing it take shape even now in this pandemic, are we not? I mean, they're talking about yeah. <laughs> global surveillance, you know, everybody's got to be tracked, you know, all this stuff that we're talking about. The framework is there, and we're beginning to see the leopard rise, if not already well in advance. And what John was revealing again by the leopard is letting us know that when this happens, it will happen quickly. It'll seem like it's happened quickly, but the truth is it's been coming for 2,000 years, right? <laughs> so really almost 6,000 years, but John saw his vision 2,000 years ago. So he says he looks like a leopard. He has the feet of a bear, and, and the bear is representative of the Medo-Persian Empire. Which, which was famous for, for its political um, power, its, its ability to make laws uh, and, and its legislative system. It was the kind of legislative law-making uh, system where uh, once they made a law, you couldn't change it, not even the king. So there was absolute right. political power. And in the book of Daniel, if you know your Bible, Daniel was cast into the lion's den because a decree had been made by the king that nobody could pray to any god except to him for 30 days well the guys who drew up the law knew that was a, that was the way they were going to catch daniel so so what we're having and and then daniel got caught praying because he didn't care about the law there came a time when he had to stand up and say i serve god you know i don't serve <laughs> i don't serve men and so in a, in, a, in a way by having this revealed to us John is always also saying by the Holy Spirit to this end time church, there is going to come a time that you'll have to be like Daniel was. Because these yeah. laws and these changes that are coming are going to be so outrageous in their fullness that it's going to confront the very God that we serve and, and the allegiance that we have to the Lord. There are certain things coming as we get into these studies in the next few days where you will see that we will have to make a decision. We can't walk with the way that the world is going. And it's going to bring about uh, an attack on the church of Jesus Christ globally. And so John says, first, a framework will emerge quickly that literally becomes a surveillance state, a military policed global state, followed by uh, laws, uh, like the Medes and the Persians. In other words, they are laws that will be unchangeable and have no room or wiggle room. You either obey them 
or you suffer the consequences. And then finally, he sees the mouth of a lion, which is representative of Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon, which was the spiritual component because it was famous for, for its, uh, its dark arts and its worship of all the gods. And so all three components will begin to arise. It's, it's an ecumenical kind of globalism, the embracing of every sort of religion and God in the name of global unity, both militarily, politically, and spiritually. And he says this system will begin to take shape, rising out of the collective hearts and minds of a fallen humanity. And I don't think we've ever seen those kinds of conditions to the extent that we see them now, because we are seeing that kind of a sense emerge from the people, a desire to be taken care of, a desire to easily, especially in the West, coming out of this pandemic, right? I, I can't believe how easily people just surrendered to the, you know, to the narrative of the day. Whatever we're being told, they don't even question it. They just, they just, you know, like, right. not that I'm talking, we got to take up arms or anything like that. No, I'm just saying people just accept what they accept. You know, I mean, it's just, just the way it is until they come knocking on your door and want to take you away. You know, I mean, that, it's too late then. But the point is this, is that all three things he said, he would, he said that last day church would begin to see rise. And we believe that we're seeing that now, you know, it, 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 uh, it then goes on to the third and the fourth verse, which brother Jeremy was reading. Can you read three and four again, brother Jeremy? Yes. <clears throat> says, and I saw one of his heads as they were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is really able to make war with him? Yeah. And it's really interesting because uh, we, we transition to a description of, of this system that we've been describing. And then it's as if, as, as if the spiritual heat is turned up. And many, many things are being revealed. We see that one of his heads were wounded, which really speaks of many different things. Uh, there are those in, early on in the prophet, prophetic community or the prophecy teacher community that used to say that means the Antichrist is going to be assassinated and then he'll be resurrected. That may be. But I think that what's actually being revealed here in connection with the flow of what John's showing us is that the heads, one of the heads, he says, which represents one of the global empires, would suffer a wound sometime between uh, the time that John wrote it and the time uh, of the rising of the Antichrist. It's as if this wound to death is speaking about one of the heads losing its, its, uh, its authority. I believe it's the Roman Empire. We don't have time to get into this, but we will see that the Roman Empire basically embraced all of those other previous <laughs> global empires in its day when Jesus first walked the earth. And then it gave way to, uh, uh, in, in, in around the third century, I believe it was, to Constantine, where it transitioned from being this powerful military force, Pax, in, in, implementing Pax Romana, right? Implementing Roman peace on the known world of its day. <laughs> but once it transitioned into a Christianized Rome and became the Roman Catholic Church, it, for all intents and purposes, it lost its, its power. 
and and yet it it's speaking of a, a deadly wound where it will it will it will seem to reemerge at the end of time is what John's saying, and then and it has this additional component where he calls it the beast, and then something really intense takes place in verse four because there's a transition to where there's a worship that begins to take place specifically uh directed towards the dragon right verse four they worship the dragon which gave power to the beast they worship the beast saying who's like the beast and who's able to make war with him up until this point we have descriptive terms being given about systems desires uh, we've got satanic influence the dragon we have wounded heads all of this very symbolic language and and uh, we've been trying to discuss that. But now we see something happen in verse 5. It seems as if what John is saying is the collective result of all this is verse 5. It says, and there was a mouth given unto him. And, and, and it speaks great blasphemies. So it's interesting that it seems what God is revealing here to us is that out of this whole thing we've been discussing... Once we begin to see a worship uh, at a very high level of the dragon and this beast system, it seems to produce an individual person. Because John says in verse 5, there was given unto him a mouth. That's, that's, that's a person. That's a, that's a man. We call him the Antichrist. That's who he's describing. He speaks great things. And he's given limited power, but he's given power nonetheless. What's interesting to note here, it's as if God is giving the devil and his system the same amount of time that God gave to his son. For Jesus' public ministry was three and a half okay. years. Three and here point. we see, yes. right. And here we see God saying, I gave my son to you for three and a half years. And you rejected him, <laughs> right? For the most part, right. uh, the world has rejected him. And this is kind of what he's saying. Okay, this is what you want. You want a different Messiah? Because that's what Jesus said to the Jews even back in his day. I came to you in my father's day and name, and you rejected me. But there's coming one in the future who will come in his own name, and that's the one you're going to receive. So here we see this uh, Antichrist figure will be given the same amount of time influence the world as Jesus was given 2000 years previous so it's an it, it's it's a it's almost like an equal an equal contest so to speak to see who will side with who humanity must decide and it and it seems here tragically so that it is the result of a last day global desire from a compromised humanity that has rejected the lord that this gives rise and get and and gives form and allows through worship a, a a physical being to be manifested and and the beast and the power of the devil begins to take control of him a mouth is given verse 5 but, it's the, the money. wait a minute it's the product of unity of the rebellious sea the worship of the dragon and the beast produces this individual person go ahead brother so for the sake of our listeners so in chapter 13 of and the first two verses 
we see the making of a system, right? Of of a of a of a global system. That's and in correct. verse three, verse three and four, what we're seeing is it's not really talking about a, it's talking about nations, right? Or, or excuse me, uh, one of the seven empires. One of them is wounded to death, right? Yes. And yes. so verse three and four sets up the stage for the coming out of the Antichrist. Can we say it like that? For the Absolutely. coming of it. Okay. Yes. It's moving in that direction, right? And it happens quickly. You know, it happens quickly. It's the culmination of history in a way. And it is the culmination of history. But when it finally takes shape, it doesn't mean that, you know, like it's just going to materialize. This Antichrist is just going to like materialize and suddenly become. Because in, in the book of Isaiah, it talks about he's a, he's a pre-existing political ruler. He right. is already among us. You know, the yes. imitation of the devil it, it always happens as it pertains to the things of God. For instance, here we have the leopard, the bear, and the lion, right? The system itself manifesting itself in three distinct kinds of images, the leopard, the bear, and the lion. That's the the, the unholy global trinity, right? It's, a, it's right. how the devil is trying to imitate the Lord. And then even what begins to happen here is not only, and we'll get into this later this week, but after the Antichrist, then comes another beast, it says in Revelation 13, 11. It's the false prophet, which we'll talk about later in the week, Lord willing. But now we see, what we will see when this is all said and done within this 42-month period is that you have the dragon, you have the beast taking shape and becoming a man, and you have another man rising, a false prophet out of the earth, and you have an unholy trinity. You have the devil, you have his his son, right, the the Antichrist, and you have uh, his representative of, of his unholy spirit in the false prophet. He never, he's not original, right? <laughs> he right. doesn't have an original thought, but he's trying to counteract. And, and what's really intense as we go on, as the Lord allows us to, what, what, and I'm trying to dig for words here, but what we're seeing is the actual attempt, what's being re revealed to us here, because we talked about it a few weeks ago, how the devil came down in Revelation chapter 12, knowing that he has a short time, and, and he's confined to this, to this universe, he's confined to the planet. And it's as if they are trying to make their last stand. And, and, and they, they're absolutely deceived, as the Bible goes on to say, so will humanity be, into thinking that they can actually overthrow the son of the living God. See, this planet belongs to him, right? And so they're yes. going to dig their heels in, and they're going to try and destroy the plan of God. Of course, it's already been settled, but that's how deceived they are. But don't make any think, mistake about it. Go ahead. No, I, I think um, before the Antichrist, the, the revelation of the Antichrist or the manifestation of the Antichrist, um, comes or to the earth, I think for the listeners' sake, uh, there has to be a unified cry that comes out of the people for, the, whether they know it or not, it's really for the man of sin, um, mm -hmm. but their, their, their needs are more earthly or carnal in nature, uh, economical, um, food provision, things of that nature. Uh, because because remember what the what, what it says it says that the beast rises out of the sea the 
represent the inhabitants of the earth. So he 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 comes to give them what they want, right? He comes to give yes. them what they want. So there has to be that unified cry, which is taking place right now, whether people realize it or not. You know, and, and they're boxing us in. And 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 the truth of the matter is, you know, Americans stand for freedom. You know, freedom of speech and freedom for for uh, of democracy and and capitalism. But whether they realize it or not, that's being taken away. And little by little, we're becoming okay with that. Right. right? And and we just want that support. We want to uh, get to tomorrow. You know, we we want to you know, still have our fun on the side and we'll we'll do whatever it takes, but don't take everything away from us. So that unified right. cry for for a system that keeps things balanced. Right? Keeps things balanced, right. uh is 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 coming forth right now. And we're seeing it. Yeah, and and these are and, and that is that's that's good. And, and and there's two things there in what you said that that I think is important to to uh to make a distinction. Number one the book of Revelation is written to the saints of the living God. And so what this information that we're discussing is for the church. It's for the true church. It's meant for right. preparation. It's meant to identify the times and the seasons that we find ourselves in. It's instructional so that we'll know how to govern ourselves in the midst of this. And it's, it's hopeful in that it, 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 we know the end. But the world right. as a whole uh, is deceived. And so what he's right. telling us is look at how they're acting and you'll know what time you're living in. And if you see these components coming together, then know that that wicked one is soon to be revealed. Because what the book of Revelation identifies probably at its, at its heart uh, is, is this, is that the church of the living God is going to become a target of an absolutely crazed humanity empowered and energized by satanic forces that have completely rejected the idea of an exclusive savior that has an exclusive right or claim to any individual life upon the planet. They are the children of darkness. They are the children of disobedience. They are the children of wrath, but they will be given their 42 months. They will be given their three and a half years. And so this information is being given to the church because the Lord told us that an hour of trial was coming. And as we get into it in the rest of the week, again, there are things that are going to be revealed. It, it, it makes some people afraid only because they have never thought truly about the, the ultimate destiny that we have, which is ages without end free of, of, of sin and death and hell and violence and injustice and all the descriptive words you can come about. But everything has been heading this way from even ages past because the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. It is given to an end time generation to witness the culmination of this. And so if you don't think you can handle it, think again. Because if you couldn't have handled what is coming, then God would have had you been born at another time. God doesn't make mistakes. He has set every single person exactly within every single generation that has ever been throughout human history with each individual soul, spirit, and life exactly where he wants it to be. These are the most exciting times to be alive. 
we don't focus on the horrendous nature of it, although it is. We understand, as Jesus told us in Luke chapter 21, right? He says, when you begin to see these things, he said, you square back those shoulders of yours, you lift up your head. Because I tell you what, generation in the future that witnesses these things, your redemption is coming nigh. The coming of the Lord is near. And so, yes, yes. That's, that's exactly right. You'll have a separation of, of the children of disobedience from the children of obedience. Those who love the Lord and those who don't. Everything is being brought to a head. And I think we're beginning to witness those things now. I know we are. Never in the history of the planet have we seen the kinds of things we're seeing now, and that is why we're studying these things. So this mouth given, like Brother Fernando, you were saying, and Brother Jeremy, is the full expression. It's the leader. It's the one. We've seen them down through the ages, right? Whether it's a Stalin or a Mao or a Hitler or a Napoleon or a Caesar, it's always been coming. But this is going to be uh, the culmination of it all, and finally— uh, this 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 one will be inhabited with with a very very powerful powerful spirit really the spirit of the devil himself so so now we know he's going to be given a mouth we have to ask this question or can we ask the question who or what is this beast what is this beast or who is this beast because obviously it says a mouth is given to him in other words a body to inhabit that's literally what's being said here it's going to be given to him. And this is a high order of, of, of being because he's called the beast, and yet he's separate from the dragon, which is the devil himself, right? He's separate, but he's known as the beast, and this beast must be given permission by the dragon to inhabit the mouth, so to speak, which is the Antichrist. And we can see that. There's some clues as to who he is. Turn over to Revelation chapter 9, Brother Jeremy, would you? Yes. Now, in, in Revelation chapter 9, we hear the, the sounding of the fifth trumpet, and you all don't need to be prophecy scholars to, you know, just listen, okay, because uh, we haven't gotten into the seven trumpets, the seven vials, the seven bowls, and all that stuff, but just for, for points and purposes of our study, uh, this is the blowing of the seventh trumpet, and something happens in verse 1 and 2 when the seventh trumpet is, uh, I mean, the fifth trumpet is blown, I'm sorry, the fifth trumpet is sounded. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? One and two. And the fifth angel sounded. And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened up the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit. As the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. When we study the book of Revelation, as you get into it and you really dig into it, you'll see that it's 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 like connective dots that go back and forth and in between and up and down. I mean, and, and he leads you on this path, but but it, it doesn't read like a novel. In other words, it doesn't read like uh, chapter one to chapter twenty-two uh, systematically. It'll it'll reveal and then it'll pull back and give you symbolic language and it'll take you to another place and enlarge something that you might have read three chapters before. That's kind of what's happening here. What we know is that the dragon, which we read in Revelation 13, gives power to the beast, right? He gives him his seat, his authority, right? He gives him his power. It's given to him. 
So what John begins to reveal here in Revelation chapter 9 is something really interesting. He says that there's an angel in heaven that sounds the fifth trumpet, and, and when he does, something happens. He sees a star fall from heaven, fall from heaven. Now, remember in Revelation chapter 12, and I know you guys are not you guys, but those listening who haven't followed this, your head's probably going to be spinning after this. But Revelation chapter 12 gives the account of how Lucifer falls from heaven. It's more of a symbolic overall view in Revelation 12, and he comes down to the earth. Well, Revelation 9 ties that fall to the blowing of a trumpet. And the blowing of the fifth trumpet causes this star to fall from heaven. It kind of likens to what Jesus said, right? When he said, I saw Satan, what, fall from heaven, right? Like lightning. It's that kind of same thing. And and what appears to be happening here is that, look what it says. I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. And now we know it's not a star. It's not a shooting star because he says, and to him, this star that fell from heaven to the earth, what is given to him is a key to open what the Bible describes as another dimension, or we call it the bottomless pit. He, so what do we learn from this? Because <laughs> what we're talking about is what, what God revealed to us in Revelation 13, was that the dragon gives power to the beast, and that the beast takes possession of a human being. A mouth is given to him in Revelation 13:5. Well, here in chapter 9, What's being described is the unleashing of the beast by Satan himself. It appears that he's been kept in this dimension, and we ain't got time to get into this, but that has his imprisonment has been from days gone by, from the ancient days. He was some at some time in the ancient past, he was cast into this prison, and he's been held there. He's only been let out once, as far as I know, and that's the night that God uh, delivered the children of Israel. But we'll, we'll we'll talk about that maybe in the future. But so the star falls from heaven. We know it's identifying a particular personality. We believe this is Satan himself, and he opens the bottomless pit, verse one and two. When he opens the bottomless pit, we're told something very interesting in verse seven. Can you read that, Jeremy? Yes, and. The shapes of the low, uh, for chapter 9, verse 7? Yes. Brother Marty? Okay. Yes. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were as it were crowned like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. Okay, so I, we skipped, you know, three or four or five verses there, but for sake of time. But this star that falls from heaven is obviously the devil. That's really what it's worship, it, it, uh, referencing is Lucifer himself falls from heaven. He falls from heaven, but he comes down to the earth, and he's been given the key or the right to unlock a dimension where an ancient spirit, an ancient being, has been being kept uh, imprisoned up until this time. And then when he opens the bottomless pit, the first thing that comes out, and as you read it, are, are these beings, these creatures, uh, and John's using all this kind of language to describe them, and and they look like locusts, you know, they have you know crazy looking teeth, and okay, I mean, and they're really vicious, and they're given power to hurt men for five months. But mm-hmm. what's interesting is he describes them as locusts, which means that they're very consuming, 
and they're like horses prepared under battle. They're quick and powerful, and, and, and yet they have faces like men. And what's interesting is they have, what, crowns of gold on their head, right? These are quite possibly the ten horns that we talked about that rest upon the seven heads that, that have the ten crowns. These could possibly be them because of who comes right after them, which is what is written about in verse 11. Can you read verse 11, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. So this other king comes up out of the bottomless pit. He's the he's the angel or the spirit or the entity of the bottomless pit. His name is Apollyon or Abaddon. You know, he's literally known as the destroyer. He is an ancient, ancient spirit uh, that is under the the headship of, of Lucifer himself, the dragon. It requires that the dragon let him out. And what precedes him are are these beings, very symbolic language, that have crowns, but we know they're men. It's quite possible these are the ten kings uh, that invest their power into this uh, this one known as the Antichrist, the little horn, as Daniel describes him. So he is the king over them. And then remember, we're talking about the beast taking possession of, of, of the body of the Antichrist. Look at Revelation chapter 11, verse 7, and we get a more of a clue of this beast, how he becomes the Antichrist. He's led out of the pit. He go, A mouth is given to him. And in verse chapter 11, verse 7, what does it say, Brother Jeremy? Uh, what verse again, Brother Marty? Uh, verse 7 of chapter 11. Okay, verse 7 of chapter 11. Here we go. It says, And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Yes. So here we have another clue of of the beast that that is known as Apollyon who the devil himself has opened the pit and let him out with several other beings that have faces like men and crowns on their head. They're described as locusts because those are their personal qualities, so to speak. But the beast, our attention is drawn to the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit. And he goes and makes war. And the them that he's talking about there are the two witnesses, the church, so forth and so on. Look at chapter 13, if you will, uh, and and read. Uh, are you there, Jeremy? Yes, yes. Look at Read verse 5 and 6 and 7. 13, 5, five 6, and six, 7. Okay. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So I had you read that because the mouth, right, 
and we've just read in, in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11, he's the beast that comes up out of the pit. Revelation chapter 11, verse 7, he's the beast that makes war with the two witnesses of God. Revelation chapter 13, verse 5, 6, and 7, he also makes war with the children of God, the saints of God. So we see that this is an entity that takes possession of a human body. That body becomes what we call the Antichrist, and he's given 42 months to, to, to parade himself around, um, and, and, and he is that wicked one. He is the Antichrist. Now, remember there's a principle in the Scripture of God, because remember what we're talking about here is that he comes out from amongst the seven-headed beast, right, as he's described. He's part of those, those creatures. He's part of all that system. He's part of all these ancient spirits. And, and there is a principle in, in, in the Word of God that we've talked about before, that God always reveals the end of history from the beginning. And so we have to ask ourselves, have we seen this creature before? Is he revealed in Scripture somewhere in the beginning? And yes, he is. We've seen him. We've seen his foreshadow before from the beginning. There is an Antichrist figure that first emerged that, that is the only one who fits this description and had the same characteristics. And it was right after the flood. Now take a look at Genesis chapter 10 real quick. Genesis 10 verse 8. We're talking about Antichrist, and we're talking about the type and the shadow that emerged right at the beginning yes. of history. I'm going to show you some things that are incredibly interesting because they parallel everything we just talked about. Remember, there's a body, right? A mouth is given to him. There's a death that took place, right? His deadly wound is healed, right? Mm -hmm. And then he goes into that body. He's let out of a dimension. Right, We read that in Revelation chapter 9, 1 and, 1 and 2, when the fifth angel sounds his trumpet, we're told that a star falls from heaven down to the earth. A key is given to that star, which is Lucifer himself. He opens a portal. He opens a dimension called the bottomless pit. Out of it come these, these beings that, that, that function like locusts. They look like horses going to battle. They have faces of men. They have crowns on their head. And then Revelation 9:11 tells us they have a king, and he's known as Apollyon or Abaddon. Revelation 13, verse 5, it is that beast out of the bottomless pit, we're told, that goes into the Antichrist and takes full possession of him. And, and the same thing happened way back in the beginning of human history. Brother Jeremy, can you read uh, Genesis chapter 10, verse 8? Yes. And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. And he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was what? Babel. Babel. Now, let's just break down this Nimrod character, because we were talking about this last week. We were talking about the uh, the Horites and all those interesting things we were talking about. Well, remember, what we're talking about here is the Antichrist. Have we seen him before? Has anyone ever been taken possession of before? You know, we've seen some despotic rulers, but we've never seen, with the exception of Judas, who it says when he ate the bread that Jesus gave him that Satan entered him, 
We've never seen, at least to the best of my ability, uh, knowing uh, an entity uh, empower a world leader. They've influenced world leaders, but actually take possession of their body. There's only one, and that's right. in the in the Old Testament, and that's Nimrod. And I'm going to show you here. Remember, it says here what Brother Jeremy just read in verse 8, Genesis 10, that Cush was the father of Nimrod. Cush was the son of Ham. Ham was one of the three sons of Noah that came over from the other side of the flood. He's the one that was cursed by his father. His genealogy was cursed by his father. And there was reasons for that. He uncovered his father's nakedness, so forth and so on. When Noah woke up, he cursed, he cursed his son Canaan and down through the line. So the whole line of Ham is, is cursed. His oldest son is Cush, and, and Cush was his firstborn. And then it, we're told in verse 8 that Cush uh, fathers this, this one named Nimrod. And it's really interesting because Nimrod's name literally means rebellion. Rebellion. Yeah, right. And as we get into the into the study tomorrow, Lord willing, we'll see what Nimrod does because he does the very same thing that the Antichrist does in the future. The Antichrist unites the whole world. The Antichrist makes one system and he rules right. over it. Right? And the same thing happens as we'll look into it tomorrow, Lord willing, because there's a lot to look into there. And we can't get into all that today. We're just focusing on the on the on the Antichrist today and his origins. Uh, Nimrod himself unifies the known world of that day. God himself would come down and destroy it. It's a foreshadow of what's coming in the distant future when Jesus returns and destroys the Antichrist system. Listen, so Nimrod means rebellion, which is which is really interesting because the Antichrist is the ultimate rebellion, right? So he's a foreshadow of the Antichrist. But look at this. In verse 8, it says, Cush begat Nimrod. And then it says, he began to be a mighty one in the earth. Right? The word he began in the Hebrew is made up of two different root words connected together. And if you study those words, you will see something so profound took place in Nimrod's life. The word began is from the Hebrew word halal with a with a connective root word halil. And when we look at what these two words mean, what God is revealing to us in verse 8 here is extraordinary. He says, Nimrod began to be a mighty one. He began to be. And so it's indicating there that something happened to him. Something changed him. The word halal or to begin means uh, to begin as if opening a wedge, to wound or profane, to defile, pollute, or desecrate oneself. Now, so what's first being revealed here is that apparently Nimrod entered into something that literally desecrated his body defiled himself, polluted himself. And in the word halal, it says something very interesting because it also means to open a wedge or to bore something, to make a hole in something. It, it seems that God was revealing the same thing that's going to happen in, I believe, not too distant future, happened back then. 
remember this. Nimrod goes on to build this giant tower, right, in Genesis chapter 11. Well, there's reasons that he did that. The origins of the building of that tower have their origin in the, in the pre-flood history of mankind. Remember, we've talked about the destruction of the world that then was. And Noah and his sons, his daughters-in-law, and his wife were the only ones that were saved. But they brought the history of what actually happened before the flood across the waters. And when this new world emerged after that ancient judgment, they all knew. They all lived in those times. And apparently, uh, the father of, or the grandfather of, of Nimrod, who was the son of Noah, Ham, the one that Noah cursed, it, it, in, in some of the commentaries I've read from the ancient scholars, they say that Ham began to teach and began to reveal to his genealogy the kind of dark things that he had witnessed before the flood. And in Genesis 6, what was revealed in Genesis 6 is that the sons of God, the Ben Elohim, the sons of God, saw the daughters of men, they took them wives, Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and they produced the mighty men of old. And they did it by a by a, a breaking through into the dimension of the world or the material universe, and they corrupted the seed of men, the seed of women. They corrupted humanity. And, and we, we know the ancient stories of the wickedness that took place, the giants that grew up, and the darkness, which really, once it crossed the flood and it spread throughout the world, the legends of old, that's where we get all these mythological stories you know and 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 the legends of hercules and jupiter and all that stuff zeus and uh, you know all these all these things you know came from that side of the flood and became greek mythology yes greek mythology or or any mythology that you want to look in the ancient peoples of the world i mean you can go into you know south and central america and, and you know you, yes. you see a uh uh, uh, the, the gods of the Mayans and the Aztecs and the Peruvians, right? You know, all those places in there. Or you go over into uh, into uh, the, the gods of Egypt, you know, or the gods of Babylon. I mean, all these, the gods of Romans, all of this came throughout legends around the world um, that spread around the world. So, so it appears that in the information that was given, that Nimrod himself uh, gave himself to that ancient knowledge. His very name means rebellion. And when it says he began to be a mighty one, the word he began gives us an insight into what he did. Remember, he's a type of the Antichrist. He began right. an opening. He polluted his own body. And we have yeah. to ask ourselves how. Well, the word halal means also to to do it by ritual to pollute oneself through ritual and sexual defilement he gave his body to a ritual a a, a sort of dark occult practice he gave himself to the dark things of the ancient world and 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 notice what it did because halal means it pierced him it, it slew him. He became fatally wounded. In other words, he ceased to be 
just human. I know this is out there, man. <laughs> this is what it's implying. Because he's the right. only one and and the spirit that came and took took possession of him in 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 at least the legends and traditions of old and it's it's kind of interesting because when we read the book of revelation the same thing happens it's quite possible that the original body that uh that that uh, or the body that nimrod gave his body to be possessed very well could have been that apollyon that reappears in the last days so listen he did by ritual by practice profane himself, desecrate himself, and it appears that he was fatally wounded. He ceased being human. He ceased being human. He was a hybrid. And what's also interesting is on top of the word halal also is the root word halil, which is really interesting. And you guys can look this up. You know, it, uh, it, it means to play a musical instrument, to worship. So what's literally being revealed here after I laid all that stuff out and told you all those word meanings and all that stuff is that Hush gives birth to a man who becomes rebellion personified, right? He began by opening himself up, desecrating himself through some sort of ritual, you know, sexually deviant occult practice that resulted in himself being pierced and fatally wounded. And he did it in connection with music, which is very interesting, right? Because those of you who know about Lucifer, you know that in Ezekiel 28, he's described as a musical being, right? So the connection is there. That's why it's so important, the music we listen to, right? I mean, you know, why why are you going to go listen to you know, all this garbage of the world and, and think you're going to have a clean spirit? Why do you think this music is so uh, sways the masses of our time and, and, and indoctrinates the young people into, you know, sexual deviance and occult practices. I mean, all that stuff, man, we're seeing the rise of it again. Nimrod did it. He made the connection and he broke through. And that's why it says he began to be. He changed. And the word to be means he, he literally experienced a fatal wound by the desecration of his own body, and he came into existence in a different way. He became possessed. He became yeah. a mighty one, the Bible says. He changed. He's the only one in all of Scripture, with the exception of maybe a foreshadow of the, of the Antichrist himself or the beast uh, that rises up out of the earth in Nebuchadnezzar. You remember in, in Daniel chapter four, it talks about the king or five, I think it is four, I think it is, where Nebuchadnezzar, because of his pride, for seven years, he, he was given uh, and turned into a beast, the Bible says, remember? Right. And a beast's yeah. heart was given to him. Those are the only two places I can find where where a man literally metamorphosed into something different. And that is what will happen to the Antichrist but it happened way back in the beginning, and it's going to happen the same way. See, the angel that falls from heaven and opens the bottomless pit and releases this one called Apollyon, who goes into the Antichrist and takes full possession of him, something had to be opened in order to release that ancient spirit to take full inhabit, uh, to take full possession and inhabit the body of this future Antichrist. That's exactly what happened to Nimrod. That's what those words mean. He opened something 
and that ancient spirit took possession of him and he was fatally wounded. But but when he took possession and animated his body, he came into existence as a mighty one. And that word mighty one means uh, in the Hebrew is gibor. It means a powerful tyrant warrior, a giant. His, <laughs> a giant. His, he actually right. did it, right? He did it. He, he accessed the ancient world that had been judged. He broke through the dimensions. This is really intense, right? And, and he became a giant. His whole DNA was altered. He became a hybrid. And how do you know that, Brother Mark? It's the same words that are used in Genesis 6 to describe the giant. It's both Gibor uh, and, 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 the, and the Nephilim. He became a Nephilim. Intense. Intense, and 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 once he become, <laughs> once his body became inhabited, he then sets out in Genesis 11, which we'll talk about tomorrow, to build a single global system, and and you'll see what happens to the people tomorrow because he begins to train them, and you'll see in the in the words from Hebrews, uh, I mean Genesis 11, one through eight, that 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 we're going to return to that point. Because he begins to instruct the people when they build this ziggurat, if you will, this tower to the heavens, what they were attempting to do was to was to open a giant access dimension, if you will, to flood the earth so all of them could become like Nimrod. But that's for tomorrow. That's where we're headed. That's why in Revelation 13, John is revealing the whole collective of humanity is going to be taken over. And they're going to want to be inhabited by the beast and the spirit of the wicked one. They will reject God. That is how dangerous this time is that is just ahead of us and why it is so vital that you walk closer to God than you ever have before. Now, listen. And how much time we got? We got about five minutes. Now, listen. Turn over to Isaiah. Because Isaiah chapter 14, Jeremy, would you? Because. Yes. Isaiah reveals, now we're talking about the Antichrist now. Nimrod <laughs> would be destroyed, but uh, but now we're going to fast forward to the Antichrist because he replays what Nimrod did. He becomes what had happened to Nimrod, reappears again. And it could very well be Nimrod himself. Who knows? I don't know. We're just speculating now. But what we do know is the pattern repeats itself. And, and and this time, the entire planet is taken over. Now, listen, in Isaiah 14, speaking about the Antichrist, are you there, Jeremy? Yes. Just read verse 19 to start with. Because now he's talking about the Antichrist, and he, and he refers to him in a very unusual way. Go ahead. Isaiah 14, verse 19. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable... Abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust through with a sword that go down to the stones of the pit, as a carcass trodden under feet. And read verse twenty. Thou shalt not be joined with them in burial, because thou hast destroyed thy land, and slain thy people. The seed of evildoers shall never be. Renowned. Notice how he refers to it as the seed of evildoers. 
he is the seed of evildoers. And, and what this is referring to is the, the, the Antichrist we're talking about. He says that he's going to be cast out of his grave, referencing his body, really, like an abominable branch. And that, and that he, he's going to, to be thrown out of his body. I, let, let's look at, at Isaiah 14. Give me five minutes. He said, because this, uh, 14, 14, this is talking about the devil and then it talks about his original rebellion, for those of you familiar with, with uh, Isaiah 14. But then he transitions to the last days and, and reveals to us that the devil will be, become a man, if you will, or his, his intention will be to become a man. In verse 14, it says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, speaking of Lucifer, right? I will be like the Most High. Listen to what he says. Yet you will be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And then he says, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee saying, what? Is this the man that made the earth to tremble that did shake kingdoms? He's referencing that future antichrist. You're going to be brought down from your highest loft, but in the end, all you will become is a man. That's, that's what you are going to become. And then he reveals in verse 17 and 18, uh, that the that this man will be the one that makes the world like a wilderness that destroys cities that will not open the house of his prisoners and listen to this all the kings of the nations all of them they lie in in their glory everyone in their own house referring to his body their bodies but you are going to be cast out of your grave he's literally saying that the antichrist will be destroyed but that 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 wicked spirit will not be allowed to to possess his body anymore, just like Nimrod. See, Nimrod defiled his body and allowed himself to be overcome. The Antichrist will do the same thing. His body will become different. He's going to be different. He's going to be completely possessed by an ancient spirit. Now, go over to Daniel chapter 7 real quick, Brother Jeremy. Would you? Yes. I'm here. All right, Daniel chapter seven. Again, he's referenced, and look at what how he he uh, he refers to him and his body. We're talking about the Antichrist. Revelation thirteen five. A mouth was given to him. A body was given to him. Daniel seven. He's described as as the little horn. Right, brother Jeremy, can you read that seven eight? Yes. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. I considered the horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold. In this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, in a mouth speaking great things. There's that mouth, right? So now he's a mouth. He comes up amongst the ten kings. And Daniel reveals way back then uh, in, in, in verse 8 of Daniel chapter 7 that he becomes a man. This this demonic entity becomes a man. And his origins is out of the fourth beast. We ain't got time to get into all this, but that fourth beast is the one that we started out saying whose head was wounded and whose deadly wound was healed. It's the Roman Empire. He's going to come out of that whole system that Rome was like 
and he's going to become a leader of a global empire. He's called the mouth speaking great things. But in verse 9 and, 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 uh, and 10, we're told that it's at this time that the Lord will return. Read verse 9, would you, Jeremy? Yes. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Yes. A, want me to go to verse 10? A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, 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 thousands ministered unto him. And 10,000 times, 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. This is talking about the coming of the Lord. So the coming of the Lord is when the Antichrist is revealed. We know he's going to have three and a half years. And and so the Lord comes, the Ancient of Days comes to deal with him. He comes to deal with him. And, and notice what he does with his, his body. Let, read verse 11. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spoke, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. See, that's what we've been talking about. He takes possession of a body. The body be, ceases to be a man. It's like a, it's like a hybrid thing. It's disgusting. But the Lord Jesus himself is going to come and destroy this beast out of the bottomless pit. And it's interesting that he's also going to destroy his body. It's an abominable thing that's going to take place. It's the meshing of an ancient, ancient spirit known as Apollyon or Abaddon in the Hebrew I believe it's quite possibly the same spirit that 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 Nimrod opened himself to and took possession of him. And we don't have time to get into all the you know the lore behind all that, but I think he was chained and placed in this bottomless pit, only released once, and that's when he's known as the destroyer. He came out and killed all the firstborn of Egypt, right? God put him back in his hole. But you know, he's he he's a powerful ancient spirit and and then he's chained in the bottomless pit. But then he's let out and he does the same thing that quite possibly now, I'm not saying it is him, but it's the same thing that happened to Nimrod happens to this one known as the Antichrist. He opens himself up and he ceases to be just a regular man. He becomes the, the, the possession of the beast from the bottomless pit who Satan looses in Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 and 9 and 11. And he takes possession of this 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 human body. He ceases to begin uh, to be a exclusively human and he's merged with the satanic from an ancient ancient spirit and that's why when jesus comes back he himself the bible says is going to not only uh, destroy the body of the one that used to be a man and became the antichrist but he's going to destroy that that beast he will be no more he's going to cast him into the lake of fire where he he will he will burn forever and ever so he is that Antichrist. We have a better picture now of of where he comes from, his origins. He is unlike anything that's ever been since the days of Nimrod. Nimrod was the only one who united an entire planet. Though the others became global empires in, in the region and the sphere of the Middle East and Africa and those places, Rome going farther than anyone before them. Only Nimrod 
was the one who actually had an entire planet under his control because it, right. that would re- right that would re- result in the scattering of the people throughout the nations of the world but yeah. now at the end of time we know that we're we're getting close and and we'll talk about some of the more fascinating concepts of what is the bottomless pit are we seeing efforts even at at this time to open dimensions to are we seeing a move toward a global police state are we seeing uh, political bodies and, and global entities trying to pass laws? Uh, and, and are we seeing a move towards a unifying of all the world's religions? If you can say yes to all that, then you can also, as a child of God, know we are nearing the time uh, that, that is not too far ahead of us where that wicked one is coming. But as we just read in Daniel, knowing that that wicked one is coming, we also know, like Jesus said, that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And that the Lord Himself is going to take care of him, destroy him, and cast that old dragon as well into the bottomless pit for over a thousand years. Yes. Now let's let's pick it up here tomorrow. Tomorrow we're gonna look at because there's a lot of people that talk about, well, I ain't gotta worry about all that antichrist stuff and all that stuff you're talking about, Brother Marty. I mean, I'm gonna be raptured out of here. They're going to take me out of here before I see that. Really? I think you'll want to tune in tomorrow, and we'll look at that and see if that's the case. Because the Apostle Paul revealed to us that there is a church that will see it, and it'll be an end-time church. Brother Jeremy, can you close with that scripture in Second Thessalonians? Yes. Chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse uh, 3. Yeah, no, read verse, start with verse 1. Verse 1, okay, all the way to, uh, okay. Just now read. we beseech. <laughs> okay, okay. Just read. <laughs> now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. There you go. So we're going to pick this up here tomorrow, but we're not going to end it on this on this depressing note, right? But what is being revealed here by the Apostle Paul, as he told the Thessalonians, even as John was revealing to us in Revelation 13, that the conditions first had to be as in a certain way before all of this could manifest. And Paul told the early church, he said, look, there's a whole bunch of time coming ahead of uh, ahead of the church. He says, but when the church reaches the point where it begins to compromise and fall away, he says, that makes uh, room for the man of sin, and he will be revealed. So we, we know that as we see a church begin to compromise itself and become indistinguishable, really, from the world, and Jesus is no longer the center of it, he says, that is setting the stage for the unfolding of the wicked one we've been talking about. 
but the Lord, the Lord tells us in verse eight, something really cool. And we'll close with that. And we'll discuss these things more tomorrow, Lord willing in verse eight. Can you read that brother Jeremy? Uh, of Thessalonians, right. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. We know we're getting close to the to the coming of the Lord, but again, we are going to see those of us that are alive at, at, at the time that this takes place, and I believe those days aren't too far ahead. We're seeing these things happen, and we need to be awake to these things. This information was placed in the scriptures for an end-time generation. And so rather than be afraid, and I know it scares some people, and it challenges others, and some of it's just like way over people's heads because they never read their Bibles anyway. But if you listen to what we're talking about, go back and listen to our three podcasts titled The the Ten, The Ten, Mystery of the Ten Horns, and it'll fill in a lot of information in case you just joined us. But go back and listen to this as well and go through the scriptures, look up the words, and you'll see that, that what is being revealed to us are the indicators that were meant to alert us that not only is the bad stuff coming and is already here and it's already begun really, but not only is it is that stuff coming and just ahead, but that also for the child of God should make us absolutely uh, excited, happy in the sense that we know that the Lord is coming and that he has told us about these things thousands of years in advance. And therefore we are a most privileged generation. For there is a generation, the Bible tells us, like Paul said, behold, I show you a mystery, right? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, right? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Brother Fernando, can you close us out with some thoughts? Yeah, it's uh, a lot of things that are running through my mind. Um, um, I, I was thinking about the, the kind of intelligence that we've developed uh, today, uh, the ability to manipulate man's DNA, uh, the brain, the mind. Um, and I was thinking about what, <laughs> and this is a secular man now speaking to Elon Musk, uh, concerning yeah. artificial, artificial intelligence, right? He says that, right. yeah. uh, we are summoning, this is, these, these are the words he says, you got to be very careful with it. He said, we are, we, we could be literally summoning the demon those were his words wow. think about that yeah. so what we're talking about here the world is very aware of remember again we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places the rulers of the darkness of this world um i would say uh for the to the listener to do your homework um in particular, uh, the, the verse we read from in Genesis chapter 10, verse 8, says that, that Cush begat, gave birth to Nimrod, right? And then it says something, again, uh, very strange. Um, he began to be. Yes. Something happened in this man's life. He transformed himself into something. Uh, he, he was born of the seed of man. His father was cursed, but then something happened. He began to be something else. Uh, and I'll leave this as homework for the listener. Go and study the root words in the Hebrew for he began to be. 
uh, he began to be. Something happened there, and you'll find out that what we're telling you is, is found in the Hebrew. It's, it's exactly what we're saying that took place in his life. Uh, he began to defile himself. He literally began to do what Elon Musk uh, says we're do, uh, we could be doing with artificial intelligence, which is to summon wow. the demon. That's the defilement that, that took yeah. place there. So, yes, this is heavy stuff. But, again, it's in the word. Remember, he declares <laughs> the end from the beginning. <laughs> he declares the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. Uh, this is not something that we're coming up with or we're just conspiracy theorists. No, this is exactly what the Hebrew is telling you. It's, it's, it's very deep and it's very dark because this is what we're up against. This is the reason why Jesus came to this world. The Bible says he came to this world, right? He was manifested to destroy, hallelujah, the works right. of the devil. Amen. That's what he did at Calvary's cross. That's what he did at the resurrection. And that's why he's coming back again to take back what's his. So Lord. go back to Genesis 10, 8, study it, and you'll see that what we're saying is exactly what the Bible is saying. And, and we need to prepare ourselves and guard our hearts and make sure that the spirit that is within us is the true spirit of the living God. Amen. 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 <laughs> you know, this sin, this sin is so grievous. I mean, what we're talking about is so grievous to the eyes of God that he had to literally come and put this fallen angel in a bottomless pit. That's how serious this is. Wow. And ladies and gentlemen, this is all part of the full gospel that you have to know about. Mm. If you think Revelation was just written for a certain group of people, for the for the Jews and how God is, you don't understand. This is the gospel. This is the full gospel, what we need to know. What happened in the beginning? What has the enemy been doing throughout history, trying to possess a man and and and, and to to really go against the very nature of God? So this is serious. This is serious, and these are things that we must know. These are things, this will help us and puts the pieces of the puzzle together to understand just how valuable what Christ came to do at the cross, shedding his blood and resurrecting what it cleansed. So I pray that you've been blessed today on this podcast. Man, this is exciting stuff as Brother Marty, Brother Fernando. I mean, if you don't get excited about this, I don't know what's going to excite you. I guess the new movie, they're going to come out with with another one of Star Wars are here. But nah, this gets me excited because this is talking about my eternal future. Hallelujah. Yes, of course. Glory to God. Amen. We pray that you've been blessed. We love you guys. We thank you for your for hearing. We thank you for your faith. We thank you for your prayers that we covet with all our hearts. And as always, keep looking up.